0: Hello to listeners of Picture the Scene. Allow us to introduce ourselves. I'm Beth. And I'm Bailey. And we, we are, are True, true Crime b We do a podcast every week. We release on Fridays. And every week we'll bring to you two different true crime stories.
1: First we'll bring you a disturbing story.
0: And then one that will hopefully uplift your spirits a little
1: bit. We'd love to have you listen to our <laughs> podcast.
0: Yeah, so join us every week on Friday find us anywhere you find your podcasts on Spotify, Apple, Google
1: Podcasts, I don't know anywhere else. (laughs) (laughs) And also you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at True Crime BNB.
0: Did we even mention that we're mom and daughter?
1: No. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you join our crime family. Bye. Bye. Hello everyone and welcome to Picture the Scene podcast hosted by me Andrew
0: and me Rachel.
1: We are a true crime podcast so listener caution is always advised. Now I'll try to keep them at a minimum today but today's episode may contain descriptions of violence, and or death that may be triggering for some, so please be warned. Now, after we mentioned we had created a, a Patreon, Rachel, in our last normal episode, we've actually had someone sign up. So, I'm not sure if we do shout outs at the start of every show, if we get more, we'll have to figure it out when we do. But, but I want to thank you to, I want to give a huge thank you for being a very first ever Patreon supporter to Mind Matters. And it just feels a touch surreal and it feels, it feels pretty awesome that you left me on Cloud9 for a couple of days afterwards it's it's really good
0: and that that's that is so nice and it's it's nice to have um to have our first official supporter nice to have a shout out and and yeah whether we do them at the start or at the the end of the pod is uh is up to you but um yeah really really happy with that especially at the minute with all the sad news so nice to have a little um bit of happy news
1: Yes, indeed. So for the, for the price of less than a cup of tea or coffee a month, you can support us. If you do want to support us, our Patreon link can be found in our show notes or if you want to follow us on our social media, that can also be found in our show notes because we're on Instagram and Twitter with at scenepod, at S-E-E-N-E-P-O-D or on Facebook at Pixie the Scene Podcast. Nice. I'd also like to thank Dawn for the feedback that she gave us. Now, I fully understand your point of view, Dawn. I just don't personally agree with it. Mm. But what's wonderful about life in general, and this is a wonderful thing about life, is the fact that we're not all forced to think the same way. We can have our own viewpoints and opinions, and we can still get along and respect each other's opinions. So that's the amazing thing about disagreements that you you can understand the other person's point of view.
0: Yeah, really well said, Andrew.
1: So, Rachel, how have you been? What's new in your life?
0: Yeah, I've been well, thank you. Uh, not much new. Um, my daughter's celebrating her sixth birthday today. Um, mm. So, yeah, that's exciting for her. And, um, yeah, uh, not much else. How about you, Andrew?
1: Yeah, too O'Brien, I think we probably need to mention what happened yesterday, don't we, Rachel? Yeah. So we are releasing this on Tuesday the 13th, is it, I believe? Um yeah. But we're actually recording it on Friday the... What day is it today, Rachel? 9th. Friday the 9th, so the Queen died yesterday. Yeah. And... What I find wonderful, you might think that's a strange thing to say, but is the fact that how much society seems to be getting better because a few years ago, people would have used this to just try and be funny and, and uh, make fun and light of the situation, but people actually understanding of other people's opinions online. And it, it's very nice. Even the people saying, I don't believe in the royal family, but I understand and it's still sad. So for me, I f- thought it was heartwarming that, while well, it is a sad situation, it shows that people are respecting each other more online and understanding that people have feelings, even if you don't agree with those feelings.
0: Absolutely. I think it has brought everyone together um, for a period of mourning, hasn't it? And people who I know that live in London, who've never shown any kind of interest, uh, when I've talked about the Queen and the Royal Family are, you know, finding themselves visiting Buckingham Palace to pay their respects. And I find that like amazing because like so, so many people have been touched by loss um, in their life, you know, whether that be a mother, a grandmother, an auntie, a sister, um, or just a loved one in general. And I think that the Queen passing yesterday has affected so many because there is a family mourning the loss of their loved one as well as the nation the loss of their queen so so yeah i agree it's brought so many people together and it is so sad and uh, i might start crying now so i'm gonna stop talking
1: okay well let me ask you a question which i know always brings a smile to your face are you ready for some true crime let's go for it great let's get going then so if it's safe for you all to do so i'd like all of you listening to relax close your eyes and picture the scene. I'd like to take us back to the 2nd of August, 2001, to Dundee, which is the fourth largest city in Scotland. And even though it's the fourth largest, it's not huge. It's got a population of under 200,000 people. Now it's a fair size, I guess you could say, for the UK now on the 2nd of August 2001. It was between 6 and 7 p.m. With the weather around 61 degrees Fahrenheit, which is around 16 degrees Celsius. There was a light easterly breeze blowing at that time at around seven miles per hour on average. So it probably felt cool, but not cold on this early evening. Probably a nice, gentle summer evening. So I want to introduce you to two people at once for a change, something I don't normally do. Firstly, I'd like to introduce you to Robbie McIntosh. Now, on his in question robbie who was wearing a blue t- tracksuit and a blue baseball cap he was 15 years old and around 6 p.m he left his home and he walked alone to a nearby area that was called dundee law dundee law is basically it's a hill in roughly the center of dundee and at its summit there is a large war memorial and it's a popular place for recreation, for people to gather and hang out when the weather is nice. Or to walk on or take your dog for a walk on.
0: Oh, lovely. Really picture the scene there.
1: So I want to leave him at Dundee Law for a moment. And now I'd like to introduce you to an Anne Valerie Nicole, who was at the time 34 years old and she was a civil servant. Now shortly after 6pm on the same evening, Anne who had been at her father's home decided to take her family pet, an Airedale Terrier called Sophie, out for a walk on Dundee Law, which was a short walk away from her father's home. Now at around seven PM, so around an hour later, Gordon Mackenzie, who was Anne's partner, he wondered where Anne was, as she hadn't gone for a long walk, and she was usually due back about six forty five, which was her usual time. So he went out to look for her. When he was near the entrance to Dundee Law, Sophie, the family dog, came up behind him. And this is what he had to say. While I was hell? looking, Yeah, well, while I was looking for Anne, I was aware that Sophie the dog had approached me from behind. I tried to get Sophie to come with me, but she went into the wooded area and backtracked. I followed her. She led me back a bit along the path, and this is where I saw Anne's body lying there. Oh. He went on to say that her body had been hidden in some thick undergrowth, He then called both an ambulance and his parents and Anne's parents. So, I just want to leave that there for a moment and switch back to Robbie now. So, at around 7pm or thereabouts, Robbie went home. He had a shower, got changed and went to a different park. This was on the other side of the Dundee Law, to meet some friends. Now, at 7.55pm, he then went into a chip shop and proceeded to tell staff... That there had been a murder on the law, and the victim had been stabbed. This was a huge error on his behalf, potentially, because at that time only Graham and Boyfriend, the emergency services, and the person who committed the crime, knew the details that he was sharing. Yeah. So Anne had been stabbed twenty-nine times, and she so stu- and she stood no chance of surviving that oh. attack. But was it an error on his behalf? Did he actually kill Anne? Or did he have knowledge due to other reasons? That's the important question I want you to keep asking yourself while I'm talking. Okay. So several witnesses would go on to say that they saw a youth with a blue tracksuit and a blue cap on that resembled Robbie. One of these witnesses, Christina Kerr, described how on the day shortly before Anne was attacked, she herself was walking her dog on Dundee Law, and she saw a youth... Was walking behind her. That was wearing a blue tracksuit and a blue cap. She said she felt uneasy when she saw him. And this is what she had to say. She said. I told myself I'd better get out of here quickly. So then when she was asked why. She felt uneasy. And I thought that she had to get out of there quickly. She would say this in response. Just the look of him. He turned and looked and I thought. Oh dear. He disappeared from nowhere. And passed me by. But he kept looking at me. So interesting, interestingly though before the trial, because Robbie was taken to trial, I'm not letting anything go here, she was Mm -hmm. unable to pick him out of an identification parade. (laughs) And she admitted that she could only say at best he resembled the person that she was talking about. She couldn't say it was him. And So Robbie himself, he told his friend, Kenneth Craig Brown, on the 4th of August, which was two days later, that he had been alone in the park, and he had seen Anne's boyfriend walking up the path and finding her body. This was, this as well, the prosecution argued, showed special knowledge about the circumstances in which the body was found. Mm. So, on the same day that he spoke to his friend Kenneth, Robbie was interviewed twice by police. Now, during both interviews, he said he had been alone by himself in the law on the evening of the murder. During the first interview, he was asked to name who he had associations with. His friends, basically. He gave them several names, except a Robert Sutar and Dee Montgomery, which could be deemed as odd, because they were very close friends of his. He told police in the interview that shortly after 5pm, he had walked up the law, because it was a big hill, remember? And on his way back down, he had seen someone like Anne talking to an old woman in the street, close to the path that led to where her body was found. He even described Anne's clothes that she had on. He then told the police that he had seen a man walking up the path that looked like her boyfriend, Graham, and that he had seen him walking back down and use a mobile phone. He He then described how the ambulance and police arrived and Graham had begun to cry. He then said he himself went up to try and see what was going on, but the police sent him away. So during the second interview, he said almost the same account, except that he had forgotten to tell them he had used the public toilets on the law. When he was asked in the second interview about a torn and bloody T-shirt that was found in his home, this is when he mentioned the two friends he didn't in the first interview, saying that he had been in a fight with them, which is why his T-shirt was torn and bloody. So four days later from the interview, on the 8th of August, he was detained again by the police, and again he was interviewed. So in this interview, the police went into a lot more detail about his movements and questioned him about them. This time, however, they brought up the chip shop conversation that he had and asked him how he knew. Now, he told them he didn't know anything. It was all rumours that he'd been saying. It wasn't actually a fact. People had, had been saying that maybe she got stabbed, so that's what he said to the chip shop person. So let's fast forward here a couple of months. On the 8th of October, he was at school in detention so this is before he went to trial. He was at school in detention and he told a residential care worker that he was not prepared to do due time for this, to go to prison, for a crime he had not committed. He told a care worker, who was called either Edwin David Dixon or Dickinson. Now there seems to be some confusion because even the judge in his notes didn't know if he was called Dixon or Dickinson. So we'll call him Dixon. And he told him that him and Robert Souter the person he claimed he had a fight with in the second interview, that they had been sitting on the law smoking hash when Anne walked past and said something to them about it, obviously tearing them off. Now, he said before he knew what was happening, his friend had leapt up and stabbed Anne several times. He said that's when he went home to get changed, and that's how he could tell the chip shop worker about what happened. So he, he told Dixon that the police had searched Robert's house his friend's house and found a sock with a speck of blood on it now the police had suspected his friend suitor actually as it happened but they didn't charge him with murder because they didn't find any clothes with blood on them now he finished telling her care worker dixon that the police thought Anne had been killed walking up the law but in fact it had happened when she was walking down the law obviously this went to trial they arrested him so the cap robbie had been wearing was found to have a faint bloodstain on it and it also was found... Now they couldn't get DNA from the bloodstain but they did find DNA from both himself and Anne on the cap. They also found a bloodstain on a sock but it was a sock of his that matched Anne. So the DNA blood stain what? matched. So Robbie's defence in his trial was one that is called a special defence of incrimination against the charge. So what it basically means is... It was basically saying it was his friend Robert Souter that had committed the crime. So Robbie was found guilty of the murder of Anne. And he was sentenced to life imprisonment... To serve a minimum of 15 years before being eligible for parole. Not that he would automatically be released after 15 years. Just be Mm -hmm. eligible. So in January 2003... About a year and a half after the crime... About nine months after his conviction... Robbie appealed his sentence. On two grounds. Firstly... The original trial judge mm. had made a mistake in one of his statements to the jury by oh. not 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 telling them that one particular statement they could take into account may also may have evidence in it that could incriminate robbie but also could have evidence in it that could exclude robbie from the crime he only mentioned that he could incriminate robbie so he the the argument was it confused the jury by helping incriminate robbie so the the appeal judge the appeal judge didn't accept this as having caused a miscarriage of justice. No. He did say it was an error, but it didn't. It wasn't a miscarriage of justice. It wouldn't influence the jury. Now, the second part of the appeal was due to the fact that the prosecution and defence had agreed not to mention or play back the part of the second interview, if you remember, that spoke about the bloodied and torn T-shirt. Yeah. If, if the defence agreed not to contest the rest of the interview. So they basically right. made a deal. Yeah. So when the jury was deliberating, they was accidentally given the full interview, not the edited one. Oh my god! And the argument was it prejudiced the jury. So the appeal judge disagreed on this, and he disagreed with the appeal in general, and he rejected the entire appeal as having no foundation. So Robbie would go have to serve serve his full sentence or more. Yeah. So Rachel, it feels like this is a really quick story but he didn't have any more appeals so in the eyes of the law he did it but what i've told you so far do you think he did it or do you think it was his friend robert Souter?
0: yeah i'm just totally at a loss as to who would be found guilty um and i don't know how the yeah the obviously the jury had like um the evidence that was presented whether that was incorrectly presented because of it being like the wrong version than it needed to be but i don't know how they made such a hard firm decision that he was guilty and that there wasn't an ounce of doubt in their mind but i wasn't sat on the jury so
1: yeah exactly and so that's not actually the end of the story because if you remember last week's during the bonus episode i gave everyone a little bit of a clue
0: how can i forget last week's when you kept us on the edge of our seat the whole episode and so then I, ruined it by telling us there was no outcome.
1: Well, I well this time it's different. I've given the outcome in the middle of the episode, but it's not yeah. finished. So I gave everyone a bit of a clue, including you. Can you remember what, what that clue was? No. <laughs> uh, well, I said there'd been plural murders. Yeah. I'd, so how did he kill someone else if it was him, if he was in prison? So shall I continue? Please do. So let's picture the scene, shall we? I'd like to take you to Dundee again, this time to August the 8th, 2016, almost 15 years to the day after the death. We're about a week off of Anne Nicole. But this time, I'd like to take us to Templeton Woods in Dundee, which is about a 10-minute drive from Dundee Law. It was warmer than the, f- the fateful day for Anne. This time, temperatures hitting as high as 21 degrees Celsius, which is around 70 degrees Fahrenheit, but there was a stronger... Southwesterly wind that day, reaching up to 20 miles an hour at some parts of the day, but it was a warm day. I'd like to introduce you now to Linda McDonald. Linda was 52 at the time in 2016. She was a wife, a grandmother, a friend, and a loved one. She was walking her dog in Templeton Woods on this day. She was walking on a path when a man passed her who she described as expressionless. She continued to walk her dog down the path, when, without warning, she was hit on the head with a heavy heavy object, which would later turn out to be a dumbbell from a set of weights.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Exactly. Now, this man continued to hit her with it. And Linda McDonald said she could feel the blood running into both her eyes and her ears. And she, she was screaming for help, but there was no one to hear her, and she was dragged into the woods. She would later say that she pretended to be dead in the hope of a killer of it. So she of her killer. Yeah, Yes, she survived. Yes, yeah. so hope uh. of it, but she thought it was, she was going to die. So that's why I used the word yeah. killer. But so she pretended to be dead in the hope of her attacker leaving. But that's not why he left. Now, luckily for her, two brothers, Charles and Pete Connor, were walking in the woods, and they actually stumbled across a horrific attack. Attack. Why it was happening? Right. So the attacker fled the scene before he could kill Linda. Now Linda MacDonald, while well, she did live, she would suffer not one, but two school fractures. A badly damaged thumb, and would be left not only with permanent scars, but would suffer from constant anxiety and sleeplessness after the I'm attack. I'm Yep, yeah, and she wouldn't be able to work again. So Linda wow. would say this of the immediate scene after the attack. A lady called Joyce lay down with me. And she just kept speaking to me and asking me questions. I begged her not to go because I didn't want to die on my own. I didn't know if I was going to live.
0: Heartbreaking. And, like, the th- the thing is as well, when you get to a certain age, like, you think you've experienced most, of, like, the hardship of life if you're a grandmother and, you know, with your, ch- with your children and their children running around. You're, like, you know, the solid yeah. one who's, like you know looking after everyone to be attacked so brutally and then suffer anxiety and you know fear oh
1: there's pictures online actually i'll put one of them on the uh, social media of hair after the attack with all her hair bloodied and everything actually no i won't do but um you can find them in the show notes and the links yeah uh, but yeah it's you're in your twilight of your life. yeah. You think that, you, like you say, you've got over the hump of it and you can enjoy it with your family and then this happens. Yeah. So so the qu- question I now have to ask you, Rachel, is was the attacker the same person who attacked Anne, do you think? Or is this a really horrible coincidence?
0: Well, it can always be a coincidence, can't it? But it just seems probably too, too close to home for the Anne attack. What I would say, though, is very strange that he would have lay dormant for just over 15 years like that's a long time to scratch that itch again isn't it
1: it is yes let's see shall we now towards the middle of 2016 and actually while this attack was happened robbie McIntosh was still a prisoner but his threat status had been downgraded and he was allowed home leave oh god now to help him get into the Back into the habit of living outside a prison prior to being released that's why he was allowed home leave he was there a week at a time from Wednesday to Wednesday the home he stayed in was his mother's it was a, a flat or an apartment as you call nowadays and over the weeks of his release neighbors and residents of the area they would report their concerns about his odd behavior to the police now the prison service remained adamant through that time that he was closely monitored and he couldn't cause and wouldn't cause any harm to anyone. So on the day of eight the eighth of August two thousand and sixteen, Robbie was on home release. And shortly after the attack on Linda, the police raided his home, and we say shortly, we're talking twenty-five minutes after the attack, so they yeah. immediately thought it was him. They raided his home. There was a standoff for about half an hour, but he was he did eventually come out and he was arrested. Now his clothing being bloodstained with Linda's blood. Oh. Now, it's important to note here that he'd got changed, so the only item of his clothing that was stained with her blood was his boxy shorts. Now, that shows you how vicious the attack must have been. Yeah,
0: yeah, because it's seeped through his pants.
1: Oh, yeah. God. Now, CCTV footage would show him casually walking home after the attack, even oh. stop, even stopping and smiling at a neighbour's dog that but was trying...
0: He's just sat there and dreamt about it in jail. Sorry to, sorry to um, no, interrupt you there, but he's, he's obviously just sat there and dreamt about the day that he'd get away with it again, hasn't he?
1: Quite possibly. Or, um, or what I did read, I didn't include in the script, but it's probably relevant now. Um, one of the neighbours said... That obviously, they were keeping an eye on him, must mm. have been to notice this, that he was a man of routine. Because these home visits have been going on for weeks, like week yeah. on, week off. He did the same thing every day. Mm. And he had a girlfriend in a different part of the town. And he would always get the last bus home. Mm-hmm. Now, the day before this attack, they said that his routine changed and he came home a lot later. So they're saying that maybe something happened. Mm. On that day before to up. trigger him, yeah, but but yeah, I feel after, bad
0: for doubting doubting his guilt now. Earlier,
1: well, I did that on purpose, but um, but even yeah, he even stopped and smiled at a neighbor's dog that was trying to get his attention after the attack. As he walked back, now I'll put up some stills of the footage from the so CCTV on our social medias of him not only leaving his home but calmly coming back, and then minutes later the police arriving and the standoff and him being arrested. Now, this time, he pled guilty to attempted murder, and he received a five-year sentence. What? Along, no, I'm not finished, along with an order for lifelong restriction. So okay. this is this is a Scottish thing. Um, i have
0: downrated. right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> now, I'd not heard of this before, but it seems it's something that came into effect in Scotland in 2006. Now, it means it's a sentence that can be passed on a serious violent or sexual offender in scotland now what it allows for is an indeterminate sentence so what happens is you give someone a say this time a five-year sentence but in the past you'd automatically be released this time they're not they can be kept in for life and they're only released when their risks are deemed low but even when they are released when the risks are deemed low they have to win on an electronic tag for the rest of their life oh wow So they can be correctly managed. But it does not end there, however, Rachel. Because what month are we in right now? September. And what what month was it last month? August. And 15 years, roughly, after the day he killed Anne, he attacked Linda. Mm -hmm. Last month was two years after he was arrested and convicted. Mm -hmm. Two years after he... Yeah. And so... With these sentences, though, they come with an automatic pro-hearing every two years. Oh. So, on the 9th of August this year, just over a month ago, Robbie McIntosh was up for his first pro-hearing. Now, this caused lots of headlines in Scotland. So
0: out of order. Two years after he nearly kills a woman, leaves her with life life, life changing... Sorry,
1: I gave you the wrong information. Let me start again, then. So... This is five years after, because this happened in 2016, sorry, this is this is uh, five years after, but then um, 2016, work the maths out, my, I know my, what you mean. my head's gone to cheese, so it's, it's after his five-year sentence, but his first automatic pro hearing, got and then, then he can have one every two years, sorry, I could not It's
0: still handled. out of order, it's still out of order.
1: Yeah, well, it caused lots of headlines in Scotland, but as you can probably imagine, and all the headlines saying he shouldn't be released. Mm -hmm. So such was the media interest in this that he was denied parole. He stayed in prison. But interestingly, the parole board for Scotland, they actually tweeted about this, which is quite unusual. They, they, They tweeted, in the light of considerable interest in the parole tribunal of Mr Robbie McIntosh, the board can advise that the tribunal decided not to direct his release. The case will be reviewed in two years time because he has an automatic pro hearing every two years. So Rachel, I personally don't think he'll ever be released and given his history, he probably shouldn't be because look what he did when he was released even after 15 years and he wasn't even really out of prison by then. You think if someone was cold and calculating they'd wait until they were not on home release and then do it? Yeah. But, But what do you think?
0: I mean, it just co- cries out that the police, that the prison service is not any sort of rehabilitation in most instances, isn't it? Well, fortunately, yeah. He's not learnt his lesson, has he, or felt it's the she. crime, punishment, and then rehabilitation process that in theory that's what prisons should deliver.
1: They should deliver that, but they don't. And that's like, this is the issue. This is why when people say just give them longer sentences, the address, what should be addressed is what happens in the prison because it doesn't stop someone and it doesn't help people be and when you rehab when you do properly rehabilitate Mm -hmm. people like this there's some people that can never be rehabilitated no but because you're putting resources on rehabilitation it helps you identify people like this and then you don't have overcrowding in prisons because Mm -hmm. you're rehabilitating people that can be rehabilitated and yeah. so you have space and time for people like this who probably should never be released. Um, and so it's like a catch-22 situation yeah. there, no, I in, see my, your point. in my opinion.
0: yeah, I see your point, but, you know, thank God Linda didn't die is all I'm yes. saying, because y- you should, in theory, expect... Well, for him, I don't care if he was a model prisoner, 15 years minimum... Should he been allowed? Should he have been allowed out for a week, long time to reintegrate into society? Well you
1: know, he should it... have
0: been. Should have, he should have been psychologically assessed for like.
1: Well, they are. This is how it works. They get assessed and then they get downgraded categories in prison, and then when they deem that they're on the right track, then they start getting especially people in long sentences, and they get their home releases to so acclimatise climatize them back to being in. So, so. It this was in the step of that, probably. it could have been in theory. I'm another, sure there a was... couple of years before he was released, but
0: yeah. I mean, I just can't help but think there must have been signs that were missed.
1: Yeah, obviously, you... yeah. I agree. Yeah, or he was just a very good actor. It had 15 years to hone what he was going to say and and make sure he made all the right noises and and everything. Yeah. Don't forget, he was 15 when he first committed the crime.
0: Absolutely awful, isn't it? Absolutely awful.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So for one last time, if it's safe for you to do so, I'd like all of you to relax, close your eyes, and picture the scene. It's a beautiful day. The dog is looking restless, so you reach for the lead to take them for a walk. What could be waiting out there?
0: I just yeah. I just, I just feel like it was a completely senseless crime as well, wasn't it? The 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 murder.
1: Of, yeah. Um, I I tell and... you. I'll tell you something as well, uh, I did put it in a script, so if you're still listening to this, you got through it all, thank you. What what it came out was that a few weeks prior to the um, attack on Anne and the murder of Anne, he started carrying a knife. And what his, the
0: hell was wrong with him?
1: His excuse was that it was for defence.
0: So did he ever come out with a motive, or did he always just say he was innocent? He never, like, invested his guilt
1: he would have had to confess his guilt or he wouldn't have It's part of the process in prison yeah i was
0: gonna say that's what happens in uh, england so, in so, Scotland?
1: yeah so he would have had to say like obviously we don't know what was said but at the time no he didn't and nothing actually came out as to why but what i believe is he was probably looking to do this and she might have said something to him i reckon it's what he said about his friend robert was probably near the truth except it was him so mm-hmm. she might have been smoking some hash or doing something which was antisocial and she might have just said like oh that's disgusting or oh, doing that here yeah. yeah there's kids around or something like that and he could have just been using it as an excuse to snap and attack it but then again you, you speak to the christina who i believe probably did see him on that day and it mm-hmm. sounds like he was stalking prey yeah, he was menacing. So, Yeah, so he could have been lucky for someone to kill. He could have been and he didn't on Christina because she hurried up and went out of it. But maybe Anne looked less threatening or she was mm-hmm. walking the dog slower. Or I mean I know my my beautiful dog, <laughs> he, he sometimes he takes three times as long walking because he loves to sniff everything. Maybe mm-hmm. her dog was like that day. Like that. Yes. All boils down to and I get it, it was two
0: thousand one. I can't even say that there have been much changes since then because, you know, women and men still can't take their flipping dogs to parks and feel safe, but it's so annoying and makes me so angry that um, people can just flip like that. I listened to an episode of um, um, Seeing Red a couple of days ago about um, a, a dentist in the park, um, who'd gone there like drinking and for a good time and like he was like brutally murdered and it's
1: yeah
0: like, toxic you know like these people in society that have these quite clearly like horrible mental health issues um, that just go either unnoticed or untreated that can flip, and they could be anywhere. They could be around us today, like,
1: you know. Exactly. I mean, you think about you. The, think about the fem- femicide issue that we did with Bethem. Uh, yeah. and one of those killers was exactly the same. He was asking yeah. to be... Do you remember he was asking yeah. to be put back into the psychiatric unit? And Look at, they...
0: Looked after, so yeah, he but, didn't kill.
1: Yeah. But they didn't, and he killed. So, yeah, it, it's a powder keg, isn't it? And, unfortunately, these things... I was talking to someone in the scene red group, actually, the other week. And these things only become an issue when it's too late. Someone normally has to die, or multiple people have to die, for these things to become a public, a public spotlight to go on them. Mm. And it's sad, really.
0: Yeah, so sad. I don't think I will stop being angry about this case today. Sorry, as Richard. well as sad about the Queen but also joyful because
1: it's my daughter's birthday. And and listeners out there Rachel has a beautiful family and she's a wonderful mother so we know that her little daughter at some point later today is going to start smiling and she's going to fill your heart with joy Aww. and at least for a few moments you'll forget everything in the world and you'll just see the pure joy and happiness in her face.
0: Oh,
1: thank you. Okay, everyone. So Great two, thank you In 2 2 weeks time um don't know what i'm going to do in two weeks time i've got a list of people but i feel like i want to go a bit rogue and find something interesting that i don't know about already Uh, so in two two weeks time we'll see you and keep listening and don't forget for less than a cup of coffee you can put a smile on our faces
0: thanks guys
1: thanks bye Mm